the rich get richer i am sure you have heard that before in fact if we are to talk about our episode on taxes we have even discussed the methods these people use to you know further propagate their wealth but today's episode is innately different it is in a sense unfair by a big proportion as we'll find out okay no think about it the numbers are just out and the year to year consumer price inflation in the united states is at 6.2% year on year like that's the highest it has been in 30 years 30 years if you think about it even like if your salary grew by 5% this year like you got a raise you technically lost money now on the other end of the spectrum billionaires got about 50 to 70% richer over this very same period of time from 2020 to 2021 for example let's take elon musk his one year wealth grew about at 70% how is this even possible like if earnings are reduced shouldn't these companies revenues too don't worry i got you covered in this confusing branched out frenzy of quantitative easing and market economy disconnect let's take some steps back as we do and let's go back about 250 years to trace this very problem as identified by its father richard cantillon in his book an essay on economic theory and the cantillon effect which was published 30 years after he was murdered yeah don't worry we'll go into all that a very peculiar character with very good intuition as we'll just go on to find out roll the intro cash me if you can your gateway into the world of financial freedom what cantillon and what effect now Let's start from the beginning. Born in Ireland sometime from the mid to late 1600s, Richard Cantillon's contributions to economics are found in his major work, as I said, an essay on the nature of commerce in general. In 1734, Cantillon was mysteriously murdered by a disgruntled former employee and his home was set ablaze. Essay which survived the fire was published in 1755 Cantillon's work went on to influence Adam Smith and other well-known economists now SI included his observations on production and consumption money and interest international trade and business cycles and inflation okay that brings me to an interesting story the mississippi bubble yeah The Mississippi bubble was a financial scheme in the 18th century France that triggered a speculative frenzy and ended in financial collapse. The scheme was engineered by John Law, a Scottish adventurer, economic theorist, and financial wizard who was a friend of the regent Duke of Orleans. In 1716, Law established a Banque Generale or a bank with the authority to issue notes which if you're aware still exists today now a year later he established the compagnie ascendant yeah i don't know french so don't mind that 
it was called the company of the west and it obtained exclusive privileges to develop the vast french territories in the mississippi river valley of north america lowe's company also soon monopolized the french tobacco and african slave trades and by 1719 the company des indies or the company of the indies as it was renamed held a complete monopoly of france's colonial trade law also took over the collection of french taxes and the minting of money and in effect he controlled both the country's foreign trade and its finances he basically convinced the french government that printing money was a great idea and so printing money he made sure that happened given the potential for profits involved public demand for shares of the company this indes or this particular company increased sharply and they sent the price from like for a individual share from 500 to 18000 livres which was the currency back then and by 1719 law had issued approximately 600000 ish stock shares and he soon afterwards merged the you know banki general with the company des indes and law hoped to retard the vast public debt accumulated during the later year of louis the 14th reign by selling his company share to the public in exchange for state issued public securities or billets d'ant which consequently also rose sharply in value a frenzy of wild speculation ensued that led to a general stock market boom across europe the french government took advantage of the situation by printing increased amount of paper money which was readily accepted by the state creditors because it could be used to buy more shares of the company this went on until the excessive issue of paper money stimulated galloping inflation and both the paper money and the billet state began to lose their value meanwhile the expected profits from the company's colonial ventures were slow to materialize and the intricate linking of the company stock with the state's finances ended in a complete disaster in 1720 and the value of the shares plummeted causing a general stock market crash in France and other countries now the crash was not directly attributable to law but he was obviously the scapegoat and was forced to flee France in December of 1720 the enormous amounts of debt this company had and the bank were soon afterwards consolidated and taken over by the state which raised taxes to retire it now why mississippi because he also founded the mississippi company which was in charge of all the land that the french were taking over in north america yeah in about the mid 1700s france controlled much more of north america than england anyway now the interesting part is one of the few people who was actually involved in this printing money and handing it to the people process was none other than you guessed it richard catlock he funded it with his high interest debt in such a way that he knew the bubble would burst because he was a good economist but he did it in a way such that when the bubble burst he would be still out collecting the debt in this whole process like knowing when the bubble would burst and still giving away money he made so many enemies that he was later murdered by one of the people he worked with now that you know the background 
Let me tell you about how this effect works and whatnot. So Cantillon's effect explains how changes in the supply of money in an economy can affect the prices of different goods in different proportions. This is because the real purchasing power of individuals is not affected uniformly by the changes in the money supply. Cantillon proposed the idea to argue that the differential effect of changes in the money supply on prices leads to booms and bursts in the economy. Now see, about a year ago, like the present day, the US government passed a giant multi-trillion dollar bailout. Supposedly, it was money for a host of stakeholders, including hospitals, states, Wall Street banks, big businesses, the unemployed, small businesses. But since then, the Federal Reserve built on top of Congress's framework, announcing a series of multi-trillion dollar sets of facilities on top of what it already put out to help cities, states, small businesses, mainstream businesses, and so forth. And so what has happened so far? The stock market is pushed to an all-time high, making new highs every other week. And the reason the stock skyrocketed is that investors believe the new measures from the Federal Reserve will bail out the debt of this private equity fund. Now, there is a monetary bazooka aimed at the economy. And yet, there is a puzzle. If there is money for the entire economy, why are that that normal people and small businesses can't access unemployment insurance and lending programs? To put it in another way, why is the money meant for everyone only showing up in the stock market from which the rich or the owners of these mega corporations of the stocks actually directly benefit from? The reason is that money has to travel through institutions and right now, the institutions for the powerful function well and those for the rest of us are rickety and broken. So money gets to the rich first. Eventually, some money will get to the rest of us. But in the interim period, before that money fully circulates, the wealthy can use their access to money to buy a physical or financial assets. Cantlin's basic theory was that who benefits when the state prints a bunch of money is based on the institution setup of the state. In the 18th century, this meant the closer you were to the king and the wealthy, the more you benefited. And the further away you were, the more you were harmed. Money, in other words, is not exactly neutral. Like, this general observation that money printing has distributional consequences that operate through the price system is known as the Cantillon effect. In Cantillon's day, the basis of money was gold. So he wrote about what happened when a nation state discovered a gold mine in its territory. Increasing the amount of gold in the realm would not just increase price levels, he observed, but would also change who had wealth and who didn't. As he put it, and I'm quoting him, doubling the quantity of money in a state the prices of products and merchandise are not always doubled. The river, which runs and winds about in its bed, will not flow with double the speed when the amount of water is doubled. So Cantillon basically went on to discuss how the money would flow, and it meant that the rich people near the mine would spend it on the 18th century luxuries like servants and meat pies, prompting a general rise in prices. 
Eventually, the money would get out to the populace. But until it did, working people would have to pay higher prices without access to new money that the mine owners had. So there would be inflation with uneven distribution of purchasing power. Cantillon noted that the kingdom discovering gold would in the long run erode its manufacturing base that the non-neutrality of money also had geopolitical consequences. To quote him from his book, again, the great circulation of money which was widespread in the beginning ceases. Poverty and misery follow and the exploitation of the mines appears to be the only advantages to those employed in them and to the foreigners who profit thereby. Now this is approximately what happened to Spain since the discovery of the Indies. As for the Portuguese, since the discovery of gold mines in Brazil, they have nearly always used foreign articles and manufactured gold. And it seems that they have worked the mines only for the account and advantage of foreigners. All the gold and silver that these two states extract from the mines does not supply them with more precious metal in circulation than others. England and France usually have even more. And if you look at it, that is exactly what happened with the United States since the 1960s. If you replace the idea of gold mines with the ability to print dollars, uh, in 1971, Keynesian economist Nicholas Calder said that the dollar's hegemony would turn a nation of creative producers into a community of renters increasingly living on others, seeking gratification in even more useless consumption with all the debilitating effects of the bread and circuses of imperial Rome. Today, what Cantillon observed is far more extreme than what it was in the 1960s. It is hedge funds, private equity, and bankers who have benefited from the money printing. And the foreigners who benefit from the US money printing is the Chinese and other foreign manufacturers. This theory doesn't imply that money creation is always biased towards the powerful. Only that how money travel matters. There is no inherent money neutrality and such neutrality must be constructed by institutional arrangements. What is money neutrality? Money neutrality is a key principle in monetary economics. Like the amount of goods that can be produced depending on the availability of factors of production like capital and labor and technical knowledge. For instance, the fact that more dollars are in circulation now does not mean that we can, you know, produce more cars or more mobiles. But if we have better technology, more labor or more wood, then we can produce more cars and mobiles. Now, on the other hand, Cantillon effects are equally plausible. So innately, as we established, the Cantillon effect refers to the change in relative prices resulting from a change in the money supply. The change in relative prices occurs because the change in money supply has a specific injection point and therefore a specific flow path through the economy. The first recipient of new money supply is in the convenient position of being able to spend extra dollars before prices have increased. But whoever is last in line receives their share of new dollars after the prices have increased. This is why when the treasury's deficit is monetized, Inflation is referred to as non-legislated tax. In these cases, the government has ceased purchasing power, 
rather than physical bills from its citizens without congressional approval. So let us say that demand for each good is determined by consumer's preference and that supply is determined by the availability of factors of production and technology. Now, if for some time a change in money supply alters resource allocation, then sustaining that money is neutral in the long run, meaning that the economy always converges to the same equilibrium. Then the equilibrium determinants should remain unchanged. In other words, the short-run effects of a change in the money supply should not affect either consumer preference or factors of production. There is no reason for this to be the case. This means that money neutrality at the micro level is an assumption more than a fact. Money neutrality might be a very useful assumption in some cases, but money neutrality should not be taken as a fact, especially by policymakers who might ignore the long-term consequences of monetary policy, like how much of the New Deal in the 1930s and 40s was designed to build alternative channels for lending so that small businesses, industry and individuals could have access to money as quickly as big banks. The Reconstruction Finance Corporation, Government Procurement, the Federal Housing Administration, the Federal Reserve, Agriculture Credit Supporters, Federal Home Loan Banks, Credit Unions and regulations like Regulation Q were all mechanisms to ensure the flow of money would be neutral. The International Monetary Fund was created to ensure more neutrality on a global basis. So we can now see that the hollowing out or subversion of these institutions from the 1980s is designed to ensure that would be non-neutral and tilted towards the powerful. In 1981, increasingly, the only channels that work to move money creation are Federal Reserve and Wall Street as well as the backstop to mortgages who could get money to new home buyers through mortgage lenders. Housing has been a key driver in both recessions and recoveries for a lot of reasons, but also a very simple one. It is one of the few ways to get money into the hands of the normal people in anywhere of the world at scale. The Federal Reserve has usually seen its role as printing money and distributing it to the economy largely by moving money to big banks and assuming they will in turn increase the amount of money available to everyone else equally. The 2008 crisis jarred this vision of neutral and frictionless money movement because it became obvious that institutions matter. Cantillon talked about injecting more money into the system, which is what we are having now in every possible sense of that quote. Inflation is not simply an average rise in prices. Prices do not rise proportionally or simultaneously. This results in an arbitrary benefit to some who have not created any economic value and determinant to others who have not destroyed anything of economic value by destroying savings, for example. This is the Cantillon effect. In response to the change in relative prices, more resources are allocated to long-term capital goods such as shares since they are spent by the most time-sensitive actors like investors by buying stock and profiting when the prices are low. The certain increased demand for stocks in the financial market 
bids of asset prices this may even happen you know before the rise in money supply is even taken into account this results in a deadweight loss due to market distortions rather than real price signals and again due to new investments that may not be as well suited to the economy this results in large losses or possible bankruptcies by the owners of these capital goods to the extent that these adjustments are widespread they pose a threat to capital markets and the banking system as a whole and this brings us to today's bailout and the meaning of institutions large banks private equity corporations and foreign central banks get dollars through the capital markets by trading bonds and stocks it turns out that the federal reserve is very good at working in these markets and can move trillions of dollars relatively quickly so that's why the real estate arms of the largest private equity funds in the world are skyrocketing today if we analyze the current us financial and economic system tech companies like amazon which lobby the us government and us airlines benefited tremendously from the us cares act this can also be said for other governments across the world as well in a holistic view they get loans and make investments prices then start to rise even though the rest of the population has not received any of the new money yet this part of the population usually is not the one with too much money either nonetheless they have to pay the higher prices even though they have not profited from the increase in money at all and they will never profit from it the same way as the ones who received the money first this result is a redistribution from poor to the rich even john mayard keynes who was in no way opposed to government intervention in economies accepted the cantillon effect as a valid problem the pandemic was a boon for the ultra rich according to the world economic forum interestingly with the passage of the cares act in 2020 which had ppp loans for small businesses and forms of universal basic income it stayed of citizen pain as government covid lockdowns impacted select business livelihoods in return for the universal basic income on a massive scale in the us disincentives for labor and excess money have flooded the markets cantillon's work has very real implications the cantillon effect of inflation is one of many of his myriad theoretical contributions ranging from basic methodology to complex macroeconomic models that include the circular flow model and the price pc model flow cantillon is unfortunately one of the more underrated economists of our time he deserves to be put in the same economic history textbooks like of smith ricardo or mill and you know it is not just students who are naive politicians are often blind to the true consequences of their magic money and ironically it is those that aim to help the common man who advocates businesses for disastrous spending policies that hurt us all politically this may seem like a monetary sleight of hand ensuring the flexibility of labor market and gaining voters but in practice Inflation is a regressive tax often under the pretense of egalitarian stability which exacerbates 
the inequalities it attempts to mitigate. So what can we concur from this? As bifurcated we might seem as a society, and don't get me wrong, while wealth inequality is not necessarily a problem, it becomes undesirable due to other psychosocial factors after a certain level. As we can see, the very governments who aim to tax their rich and take away from them are the ones who are very much responsible in making the wealth flow through them in the first place, creating a kind of a pyramid. And that is exactly why, as I said at the beginning of the episode, a 6% inflation affects us much more significantly than it would to a millionaire or if we follow Cantillon's words, anyone in charge of wealth creation. Now, with even the Evergrande default on the S&P 500 leading to another all-time high, we are in a very, very unstable global economy. And no doubt, gathering as much information possible about the same will be an added advantage to you going forward. No wonder people are buying crypto. So, that was about it for today. And I hope I made this whole quantitative easing dynamic a bit simpler for you. The reality is, the rich will get richer. And that is not a bad thing as long as they produce enough output for it and it is not at the cost of other people. Anyways, you already understood what you had to. And so, my link tree is at the end of the episode description. And follow me on Instagram. Share this episode with your friends. And obviously, I'll see you exactly the next Sunday. Keep cashing. Bye.